0: And we're live. Welcome back to yet another episode of the Blasters and Blades podcast. Thank you for sticking with us through the third season. Hopefully we haven't driven you insane, but if you are, make sure you get the biggest room at the asylum. That's that's well, my advice I'm for all of you.
1: Hey, JR, I noticed something. They didn't hear it, but you actually counted to three today without stumbling. Maybe if we get to season five, you'll actually be able to count that high without stumbling.
0: Nah, probably not. Hey, all you crazy sci-fi and (laughs) fantasy fans. It's time for your daily dose of shenanigans over here at the Blasters and Blades podcast. Just three nerdy veterans geeking out over our science fiction passions and fantastical fantasies. A place where magic is king, the sky is the limit, and space is the place. We are the podcast that puts the fun in dysfunction. And if you notice, Doc, I almost forgot how to read for a second. And I'm like, uh, where are we? Not like I haven't done that interview uh, 228 times already. But uh, without further ado, we're going to let our guest, Miss Erica Evren, uh, introduce herself to our listeners and viewers.
2: Hello, everybody.
3: I'm Erica Evren, and I write science fiction more specifically, the subgenre space opera. I'm so excited to be here today. Thank you, Jr., and thank you for having me, Siska. All right.
0: It's so the next to part have of the you. In, absolutely the next part. Doc likes it when we bring ladies on, so it doesn't feel like so much of a sausage fest. Because a lot of cool. sci-fi is dudes, and you it know sure our is. military connections are all dudes. So sometimes Siska can feel outnumbered.
1: Aw. outnumbered. Yeah. Tried, not outgunned. Never. Outgunned. <laughs> we tried That's to right. do a romance
0: panel. Her because you know, ladies, she's like, No, I'm not that kind of lady, I have no, no. heart, I had it surgically removed.
3: That's right.
0: So, the next part of the introduction, dear listeners, how we first found them. So, I actually found her uh, when I was stalking um, the bookish corners of Instagram because I've been trying to branch out to get authors we haven't heard of before that aren't so um, just the people in the inner circle I already know because we've already interviewed all these people, so we were trying to branch out. And I was scrolling through uh, some of the book uh, hashtags on Instagram and I saw her cover, which we'll get to when we get there. I'm like, this sounds cool. So I went over to her Instagram page and it's all pictures of glorious, glorious cups of coffee. And I'm like, dude, she's one of us. So yeah, we had to have uh, you on.
1: awesome.
0: the caffeine addict? Yep, says the caffeine. But doc, uh, we, we've got to see if she gets to stay. So you've got to ask her the religion questions.
1: Oh, she gets to stay, but we might get rid of you if you don't like the answers
3: so i'm nervous (laughs) star wars star trek or firefly star wars to be fair i haven't watched firefly and it's on my to-do i know i know i spend my time teaching preschool and writing so (laughs) i feel so bad
0: oh that's a change
1: i don't know how you do it you're outnumbered yep one preschooler is outnumbering any adult, and it's better so what made, ages two to three.
0: What made you decide to be that crazy? Um, I mean, good for you, I mean, someone's got to do it, but so I'm just, good. Yeah.
3: um, I just love kids, I love their imagination, I love their fearlessness to be creative, I love their ability to see the good in everything, and
1: I uh, yeah, I'm a kid myself
3: a because a lot of them are like kids.
0: Yep. Or deal with the infantry, like you basically described the the grunts, like two or three year olds. There we go. (laughs) So it works.
1: I mean, they come up with the funniest, oh gosh, just nuggets of wisdom. And you're like, no. Yeah. Oh, yeah, no. Okay. Yeah, you're right. And you just don't know how to respond to that.
3: Yeah. I had uh, one kindergartner say, like, I was telling him about scars and how they leave marks on you. And he's like, I want to be like Thanos. Oh, get <laughs> oh, after my own
2: heart. I know. <laughs> so funny.
3: So, okay.
1: So, Game of Thrones, The Wheel of Time, or Conan the Barbarian?
3: I mean, that might give you flashbacks to kindergarten. Um it might. Okay. I've only, I haven't read Wheel of Time or seen any episodes. Um, unfortunately, I'm not a Game of Thrones fan. Couldn't get into it. Um, so I'm gonna have to say Conan. Okay.
0: Okay. Good answer. I grew up on that. <laughs> that was who doesn't um,
3: love a barbarian? Come on. I mean Or, or doesn't wish they were the one. Iron Man. Right? Black marks on your face. Come on. So, or just touch so. camels on the head. Like that's good too. <laughs>
1: yeah, works.
0: and it, we didn't we didn't take it too seriously back in the day. So it was just can't be fun and no one pretended that it was you know highfalutin
1: yeah i know but i still love the witcher yeah i couldn't get about, into it the, too bad
3: about I
0: yeah. are you canadian or something hey
3: yeah <laughs> i am <laughs> Wait,
0: really i was joking okay no,
3: I am canadian.
0: um so I the the problem to,
3: i could talk sound well in the, and... the
0: beginning i did i didn't i didn't detect any accent but the a gave you away
3: oh, um like doc food. i tried to
0: yeah, <laughs> I tried to watch The Witcher, but the way they kept going non-linearly and then bouncing around is just making me dizzy. Trying to track everything, I'm like, I give up. I'm told, I'm told it's good if you really like the uh, the the games and stuff, though.
3: Because mm. wasn't he trying to keep it really close too, and that's why he left
0: because they were very yeah. Was it, uh, I think there were a, a lot nerd. of different
3: reasons,
1: and I think one of them being that apparently he now can be the emperor of mankind on. Uh, Game of Thrones. Uh, not Game of Thrones, sorry. On um, whatever they end up calling the Warhammer 40k property. Mm-hmm. He's the world's hottest Warhammer player.
0: That's all because I don't play Warhammer.
1: He'd still be the world's hottest <laughs> Warhammer player because they are... You can't paint the minis.
0: This is true. Uh, well, you know, I blame it hottest. on being colorblind, but but I don't have the patience or the hand-eye coordination for that level of minuscule detail. Yeah. I tried to say that it was because I had big hands, uh, and Larry Correa was like, "You don't get that excuse because I'm taller than you." Because I met him in person, yeah. uh, he's my yeah, favorite but he midget.
1: Thanos, so there's that.
0: Yeah, that's true. That's true. All right, Doc. Now we get into that the.
1: means. Fun.
0: Thanos was the guy who snapped his fingers, and everybody no. went bye-bye. But if you can snap your fingers and make people disappear, couldn't you just make more resources up here? Like, okay. that just seems to make more sense okay. to me. Okay,
1: just, just stop. We're talking about two different games. Technically, three if we started since we started with Warhammer. Stop. JR, you're trying to sound cool and failing. Anyway. No, I'm not even
0: pretending that I'm cool. I know that. I've got kids. They tell me all the time. <laughs>
1: Uh, so switching back to the, our scheduled questions, what was your first love, sci-fi or fantasy? Definitely sci-fi, yeah. So what is it that you love about science fiction?
3: Uh, for science fiction, it's definitely just the freedom of what people can do with it. Um, the futuristic aspect to it is very appealing. Um, I also like the other aspect where it's like all aliens or different worlds um, I love space and planets, and um, so that's part of the aspect that I really like for, for sci fi. Um, I also just grew up on it. Like, my dad was a huge sci fi action adventure kind of. Yeah, we watched like all the Stargate Atlantis, Stargate SU-1, Star Wars, um, you know, iRobot, any sci- It was all sci-fi, like, yeah. <laughs> Uh, Lord of the Rings came in a little later, and then as I grew older, I really appreciated it more. I bought the series of books. I still haven't read them, so I'm getting on that. <laughs> it's on my to-be-read. Um, yeah, I just like, I like the freedom that comes with sci-fi, because <clears throat> you're, you're not limited to what we as humans know on Earth and what's like the laws of physics or la-la-la. Like You can make up anything as long as it's reasonable and <clears throat> seems plausible. So I guess it's
0: like magic. Yeah. Um, Did you get into the Stargate universe as well?
3: Yes, it was really good. It was more thriller, more like drama, but it was still really good. They had really good actors on there. I love that. Yeah.
0: I wish they had kept going. (laughs) Me too. Can
3: you try
1: holding your mic a little closer to your your mouth? I think. Is is that better? Yes. Kind of. It, It was getting a lot of static. Sorry.
0: Okay. No worries. So, they um, they promised us an ending through the graphic novel. So I bought the graphic novel, and then they left that on a cliffhanger too. The jerks. Oh, that's awful. But but I did yeah. dig it. I know some people hated it for being a little too grimdark BSG, but I don't know. I like really the realism.
1: The universe. I think I the loved ship it. Was I, really I
0: it was, and I have all the box sets.
3: There you go.
1: So what was your
0: first memory of engaging in speculative fiction as a genre? Was it, you know, watching it with your dad? Was there a certain book?
3: It was watching Star Wars. I remember loving, um, what was it? Well, Luke and Vader give me nightmares as kids. <laughs> like, I would have dreams of them fighting. Um, but it was that's, definitely watching the Star Wars. Yes. Yeah, yeah. It was definitely the old Star Wars, all the 4, 5,
0: and 6. Okay. Um, and since Doc stole one of my questions, I'll ask you the next one. How did your love of speculative fiction and all things nerdy transition into you deciding, you know what, I'm going to tell my own stories?
3: So, when we were younger, like, yeah, obviously we were watching, I was like 13, we were watching all the Stargate Atlantis, uh, we were playing Ratchet and Clank on the PS2, like, those were the kind of things, and... All of a sudden, we were kind of, us, me and my siblings were like, well, why don't we just make our own galaxy and our own characters? Like, we love Ratchet & Clank. We, like, we love Stargate Atlantis. So we thought we would create our own kind of um, characters to go on different adventures. And yeah, I started writing when I was 13. It was like, it was a fan fiction of Stargate, I guess, <laughs> basically. So the first, I don't know, seven years of my life, I was writing that kind of stuff. And I was like, well, actually, I can't yeah, publish this because it it's based on other people's stuff (laughs) like going through the wormhole and all that thing. So yeah, that's kind of just being exposed, I guess, to those games and movies. And um, that was just like, Hey, I need, I want to write my own stories. I want to tell my own adventures of being in space or encountering aliens. So
0: did you ever think of filing this? Did you ever think of filing serial numbers off and making it your own? Plenty of authors have taken their fan fiction and and stripped it and made it their own.
3: I, I haven't. Maybe that's a good thing to do because there's like so many versions of it and it's so long. It's probably the longest thing I've ever written. <laughs> so.
0: We interviewed uh, one author, Glenn Stewart. who wrote a book when he was 19 and then he came back to it. Like, I don't know how many years. I'm going to say 20, but if he's, if he's younger than that, I apologize to him. And he ended up um, hiring a, um, a co-author to write the, you know, help him finish the novel because he was too busy. And they said it was like writing with three authors: him, his co-author, and his 19-year-old self. So oh. I imagine you yeah. would have that same experience. It'll be you, and then your younger self as a co-author oh, when you gosh. go through and edit that. What was I thinking? <laughs> or, or just some of it, you know, as you mature, you'll, you'll realize, you know, just some yeah. of the stuff doesn't quite work as well. Doc, mm-hmm. you about to say something?
1: I was going to say I think most authors tend to. List. Try and burn the, their first draft manuscripts live, but and be like, no, nobody's gonna see this. I, think I published the first to- thing
0: I wrote. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. Uh, it's my Sleeping Legion series.
3: Oh, you're brave. <laughs> Mind you, you're probably a lot more mature when you wrote it, right? Like. Really yeah, I was 13. I'd already been through
0: college. I go. tried to write an epic poem at 13 and it was pure garbage. And luckily the teacher kept it, so there's no well, hopefully she she destroyed it, but I assume she recycled it. So as far as I know, there's no copies floating around. I was just too busy with school and, and wrestling and sports and stuff yeah. to do that until I hit after college. And so I, I got lucky okay. in that regard. But back to our you. So doc. Are
1: there any put her in
0: the spotlight? We...
1: Shut up, Jack. Are there any formidable moments that formed you as a
3: writer? Hmm. Let's see. I've never been asked that. That's a really good question. Um. I would have to say, I don't think there has been like one moment. I think it's been uh, kind of like a as I matured kind of thing. Every year as I was, was writing and as I kept to it and as I overcame like, uh, you know, imposter syndrome and all that other stuff that tends to get in the way of people's creative processes. You know, I was comparing myself, beating myself up like I'm not good enough. I would say every year was like a stepping stone to like forming who I am now. So like I didn't take writing my sci-fi very seriously until I was probably, I want to say 22, 23 after I'd written it when I was like 13, 14. So (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I want to say it took a couple of years off to mature, and then then it was like getting into the world, and realizing that as you said, Jr., it is heavily populated by mostly males, and it's very um like there's a stigma where girls can't write sci-fi. It's like a it's a guy thing, but you know, there's JS Dews. There's a lot of other Andre
1: Nornan and McCaffrey, Elizabeth Moon. Yeah. So a lot I of women go use through the list jody lynn nine jen Codge. i can go through the list of women who
3: write it yep
0: and- it's the same reason men use pen names when they write romance it's because the expectation is such <laughs> whether it's right or not but maybe ladies um, would like given,
3: that uh, to
1: be fair <laughs> given that most men's idea of romance tends to be far off the mark I feel like we exaggerate
3: each other way too much. Like, you know, there's I don't know. Oh, My was me- chiseled chest, me- la
1: la la. Gave me um earplugs for Valentine's Day. He thought it was a very romantic present. Mm. For for him or yeah. for you? Like
0: <laughs> I mean I I'm not I sure could- who it was
1: romantic for, but it wasn't.
0: If that was something you were struggling with and he was trying to help you, then it could be romantic. It's the intent behind the gesture and a lot more details needed than just that. I'm but we're not here to talk about your.
1: He's like, they're useful and they're a good quality set
3: for when you go to the range. And I'm like...
0: Well, I mean, if guns are your thing, and who doesn't like a good gun, but... Maybe
3: maybe he should have took you to the range with flowers and chocolates and then...
0: You then see there it is, <laughs> that, that would have been okay. Uh, he'd have gotten cool points for that one. But Doc... Yeah. We're not here to talk about your love life, even though Valentine's Day just passed. We
1: know I don't have one, so that's okay. So,
0: ask her the fandom question. It's a little different this time because she's a baby author. This is her first book.
1: <laughs> she's an amazing author, and much she likes coffee.
0: Than so. so, and SGU, she's winning all the cool points.
1: I know. I really hope she likes pineapple on her pizza. I do. Yes! All right,
0: we just lost a point. Doc, don't corrupt her. Pineapple. Oh, I mean pizza a corrupt
1: her? She came as a member of the pizza loving pineapples. Pineapple loving pizzas. I don't know. Something like that. Something like that.
3: Pineapples and pizza lovers. I was
1: up at 4 30 this morning. I don't know. <laughs> so um, but getting into some of the fandom stuff what milestone as like a new author going out into fandom and these conventions will make you go, Oh, that's so cool. I made it. I know. Right. It's a hard one. Is it going to be doing your first panel? um, Your first fan coming up and being like, Oh my gosh,
3: it's you. Yeah. I think it would be a total total
0: stranger being
3: like, I read your book. I recognize you. Like I loved it or something like that would definitely be. I made it. Or if I sold see, like movie- 50 copies
0: on Amazon or something. <laughs> so so the, the thing that hurts the most though for uh, for authors of, of our era is you used to be able to, if people were reading, they were reading print copies. So you could potentially yeah. be out in public yeah. and see people reading. Now everyone's reading e-copies because that's where almost all, all of the books are sold that way. So yeah. in order for you to know they're reading your book, you have to like peer over their shoulder and stuff yeah. and they get yeah. weirded out. They call you creepy. It's just a thing. So we'll never Once get that experience. You will
1: read actual physical books, JR? You just don't get out enough to see
3: it.
0: Sales numbers don't lie. It's something like 80% of all books are sold as ebooks. Or, you
3: know, audiobooks, because people are driving. Sometimes they work, True. they don't have to interact with people. It's just easier to put something on and read. Mm-hmm. Or if they're doing cardio, like they're putting. Wait, I
1: thought we just meant tonight. Says <laughs> I'm the person um, who goes through about thirty to audio hours of audiobook a week, because it's easier than talking to the people at my work. I love the people at my that. work, but
0: except for Bob, he's listening and he knows who he is. <laughs>
1: oh, Bob. Sure, Bob.
0: All right, Doc. Move on. Move on. We don't okay. want to scare me. away.
1: So getting into
3: what are the highlights what have you written so far what have i written so far so um, i finished obviously my book mission of the war Um, i love that cover yeah it's very pretty i lucked out it was a (laughs) pre-made i was like i'm buying that one there we go thanks um i've written oh that is good for
0: a pre-made some of the pre-mades are kind of garbage
3: i know But the sad thing is I contacted her and she didn't have anything that was nearly as nice. So it's like, bummer. (laughs) Um, I've written book two for this series. It's currently going out to betas as of tomorrow. Um, I bet your betas are excited. I hope so. (laughs) I'm excited. Um, I'm also working on a lead magnet for like an incentive to sign up to my newsletter. So like a short story novella about uh, a side character in book two exploring her story a little bit more. And then what else have I written? I have yeah. f- probably like five or six other sci-fi ideas that I haven't, um, I like I started, but I haven't really fleshed out yet because I've been focusing on this. I'm like a one thing at a time kind of person, which sometimes sucks, but um, I got at least other, like five other stories on the back burner. One is a sci-fi fantasy kind of thing which inspiration came from a dream. So that one will be interesting right when I get to it.
2: Um,
3: what else am I working on? I think that's it. You know, between Luke and, and um, coming home, and I, I just got another cat, so I'm trying to get those two to get along. <laughs> um,
0: what is yeah, it with space yeah. opera writers and cats? You, Terry Mixon, Chaney, like,
3: They're just every so space cool. opera writer
0: I know, you have cats instead of dogs. like well, human being.
3: Alien had a cat in it. You know, the new Buzz Lightyear That's had true. a cat in it. <laughs> cats' face okay. just go inside. <laughs> I think it's because we can focus on the story. We don't have to take the dog for a walk. I don't know.
0: <laughs> <laughs> fair point, fair point. My, cats you, my, tend to be a little bit more...
3: Yeah, she's like needy.
1: They tend to be a little bit more forgiving of being ignored. Yeah, yeah. And she just stares at me. Don't want it. They Most cats don't seem to need as much attention. Yeah.
0: So did you get... Uh, as my understanding is that to teach preschool in, in Canada, you have to have a license, which means generally speaking, college. So, assuming that you went to some form of higher education, did you have any short uh, any fiction that was published while you were in school, even if it was just in a student magazine?
3: Uh, no, unfortunately, I didn't. We did have to write um, a short story for children, so we had to choose like uh, obviously things that the kids could relate to. Use the the language they could understand so it was a nice change to write a children's book and um, I still have like I had to draw all the pictures I typed it all out printed it made my own book at home it's kind of sad looking but it turned out okay um unfortunately no it didn't get published or anything it was just for in class however I did write a um pamphlet that one professor asked if he could use for an example for his next set of students that were coming through. So I thought that was pretty um, pretty cool. Nice compliment there.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. All right. So obviously we are here to talk about the um, mission of the ROARC mm-hmm. um, since that's what brought us here. But before we dive into that, we are going to pause for a moment why we shamelessly shield for the man. And it is a man this time, Doc, so don't go there. Thank you, Terry, for sponsoring this
2: episode. Humanity will be free, no matter the cost. Deep in the Guatemalan jungle, buried beneath a forgotten Mayan pyramid, an earth-shattering secret sits, waiting. Its discovery will rip apart the illusion that humanity is alone in the universe. Engaged in a life-and-death struggle for the future of mankind, Harry Rogers and Jess Cook are forced to protect this secret from the most despicable foes imaginable. They must race across the globe to complete Liberty Station, the first true interplanetary ship. Only then can they search for the shocking truth behind what they found. They have no room for error, because failure means death for them and subjugation for everyone else. Presenting Liberty Station, book one of Humanity Unlimited, written by Terry Mixon. Purchase your copy on Amazon and learn more about the author and his works at terrymixon.com.
0: All right, thank you for sticking with us through that commercial interlude.
1: It is very weird to hear Terry Mixon after listening to 12 of his books with that wonderful narrator we just heard and realizing that Terry Mixon's voice doesn't sound like a female. (laughs) It's very confusing when I met him.
0: No, no, not at all. So, um, (laughs) Not at all.
1: I'm used to her voice.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Um, She's nicer than him too. She has better taste in books. But uh, (laughs) let's dive into the book that brought us here. So, uh, where did the premise for the mission of the Roark come from? Like, where'd you get the idea? Was it psychedelics, a Ouija board, overindulging in expired candies?
3: Uh-huh. I wish it was candies. Um, <clears throat> excuse me.
0: Well, given where you work, you know, sort of apropos. Just saying.
3: Yeah. <laughs> Lots of candies and chocolate from the kids, especially during Christmas. Um, the story for Mission of the Roark came as a need for a beginning story for the main character, originally... My book two was the book one, and I wanted to write a prequel. Um, and then this story just kind of took off on its own, and I realized that there was more to tell uh, in this story that would outgrow a novella. So I decided to make it the first book, the, the second, or vice versa. Um, but, the yeah, just, just the need for, okay, where did this character come from? You know, uh, what's the backstory of his race? Because when I first started writing what's currently my second book, which was the first, Um, we started with this character and I was kind of pulling the thread through the hole. I really didn't know who he was. It was sort of discovering him through the story, but then younger me didn't realize that I needed more information to be able to share with readers. And so I had to go back and write this one. So I guess there's a need to explore the character and to set up the series properly is where this, This kind of idea came from um and it is based off of another galaxy like this has nothing to do with earth it is all alien you know they're humanoids on their own planet in a different galaxy so yeah it's all new all different and um exciting well i hope people find it exciting
0: so does this have like you don't even have the lost earth um legend type thing to tie it so it's just
3: it's just its own thing standing alone yeah, it's in the Dex galaxy, and that's that.
0: <laughs> okay. So uh, before we get started and, and dive into the fun stuff, um, what would the age range of this story be for families that are listening? Because we do have some that listen to the show with their kids.
3: Yeah, good question. Um, I would definitely say the age range would be early teenager to adult. Uh There are – I do have a warning in the beginning of the book, not for younger audiences, there's not a ton of cussing like you would – typically find in a military sci-fi but there is swear words and more so graphic content i would say from the villain and between battles so and i guess i personally okay. too like there's a lot of i try to like descri- describe people's emotions as raw and real as possible so that might upset certain people if they have say triggers or um something like that so
0: okay um so you mentioned that you found this cover on the pre-made sites yeah Um, and, and it was a really good one but what were you looking for when you said you know what i really need a cover for this book what was like what was the thought process on what you were looking for what you would thought would be a perfect fit that led well, you to this picture
3: if you look at other stories in the genre like they're all a ship on the cover like i know a lot of people do have a person, but all the people I saw that were put on the made's they looked off, weren't, didn't resemble my characters, etc. So I thought, plus I really love blue. So this really caught my eye. Um, I figured a ship would be the safest route to go because ships are, usually if you do describe them in a story, people imagine them a certain way anyhow. So I thought it was a safe route to go. Um, I see now that this ship in particular is used in a lot of other uh, premades because it's a free stock image but it was overall just the color the planet the light shining up from behind it like it just spoke to me and it was like i have to have this one like this is perfect so yeah <clears throat> okay and it was okay. kind of it was late at night when i made the purchase i came across it and i was like oh i have to get that before somebody else does <laughs> so, I was so like now that
0: you've yeah now that you've found and that happens with with um premade sometimes you got to jump like uh, yeah. Tom Edwards, his will disappear in minutes So yeah, mm-hmm. you, gotta, you gotta be on the ball when, when they release the ones you want
3: Yeah, I like Tom uh, now Edwards, that, he's
0: got good stuff He is, he's just too pricey for me <laughs> Yeah, I know, but now I know that,
3: especially in pounds <laughs>
0: Yeah So uh, now that you have The cover and you're looking for the series Obviously and you want to link them, do you think you're going to have To redo the book one cover just so It's in line with two and three Or are you going to hope they can make something With the same ship?
3: Well, I've already got the second cover created and it's a different ship and that's because we have to find out what happens to the war rock (laughs) so the the second ship is a different ship and um follows a different it's set in many years later after this one so yeah don't want to give too much away but it's a different ship i did try keeping it with like the ship in the middle the focus some planets uh try and keep the series in lines, the same font, same placement of titles and everything. So yeah, hopefully that looks like a second book when it comes out.
0: (laughs) I've learned that we overthink some things and readers don't care as much about those things, but what they won't forgive you is you make the books in a series different sizes like for the the size print. Like, you know, you got one that's like, I don't know, one size, another, and then they don't line up on their bookshelf. Then they're going to go OCD on you.
3: Oh, yes. (laughs) Yeah. I've um...
0: seen some threads. uh, That's mostly, I think, affects. Fanda, I mean trad books, like traditionally published, because they don't have as much control over that. But I have seen some threads where it got hot because they were complaining about the sizing difference. Do you care about that, Doc? What when the books of the the, the,
1: physical book?
0: Yeah, when the physical books are different sizes, like different heights and stuff.
1: It used to not bother me, and then Mel went on this huge tirade, and then Jay Boyce did, and next thing I know, I'm
3: noticing it, and it's bothering me, and I blame them. Oh, yeah. I know. Well, I, I didn't I didn't care between paperbacks and um, hardcovers hardcover. until it, until it was pointed out to me. So I have Red Rising, the whole series, but Iron Gold is a tall paper, like a sorry um, blanking here hardcover. And the other ones are all perfect, and that one's like boop. Like no, that no, bothers me. But it's like an expensive book, so I'm not going to go buy it again. No, I get it. Yeah, I think yeah. I've gotten definitely to
1: the point where I just, as I've gotten more into collecting them, yeah. and I think, I think honestly, and that would be probably be a really good fireside chat is the difference between cl- how collecting has changed with eBooks. Mm-hmm. Because if I'm getting it in a print format, I just want it in the same format Uh, you know I either wanted to like all hardcover or all paperback and if it's paperback ideally like the same size like I'm not so picky about what the size may be Mm -hmm. but yeah I've definitely gotten more picky about it when I'm buying them and I'm putting them on my shelf but i'm not like one of those ocd people that you see on tiktok with like the color-coded shelves oh boy or i wish the face of every cup book cover out and i just want to look at them and i go you don't have that many books if you're having to do that or you're not loving all your books equally
3: Mm -hmm.
0: i could color code them for you doc
1: no you can't (laughs) <laughs> maybe she has it organized in her favorites not by color i i have it more complicated than that okay no I was,
0: <laughs> i'm sorry. I was. i sorry she makes fun I of me up. all the time for being I'm colorblind not
1: nearly as ocd as i used to be i used to have them in order by al- alphabet by author
0: like the library
1: but within well. that like in a library but within that i also had them by order of the series as i read the series and within the series it was an order of the setting of the world i also only had one bookshelf at the time no child and a much what more happens? time obviously mm-hmm. and now i'm just happy they're on the shelf
0: yeah fair point fair point but uh, before we go too far afield you get to ask her the elevator pitch question what Ooh. is your
1: 30 second elevator pitch for this book Oh my goodness! I was not I know, ready it's for not this the you guys. Easiest question. In, it's the easiest question in
3: the world, but it is also the hardest question the in the hardest. world. Well, the yeah. are, what is the meaning of yeah. life. The blurb's hard enough, and that's only 150 words. Um, so my 30-second pitch would be: This is a story about an underdog, um, person who he's always been like beat down in his life. He's trying to find his place in his society, and when he finally gets his dream job, he discovers that there's an underlying scheme happening and it could threaten his life as he knows it and his planet. So, yeah.
1: There you go. She did a really good job. Did I sell you? you you?
0: Yeah. You actually, I think kept it under 30 seconds too. So that's a win.
1: (laughs) So space opera is a very big field, but it is also one. It is so big. Because there are so many people who write in it, from David Weber to Terry Mixon, um, Terry Maggart. There's a lot of Terrys now that I'm thinking about it. Um, <laughs> what is it that really makes your series stand out and special for you? For or me,
3: hopefully? it would uh, for me, or hopefully for the reader, it would be that it is um, completely different from Earth. They're all new aliens, planets, ships technology um but also that the characters are still relatable and still very uh human to us so yeah i would just say the thing that stands out the most would be that it's in another galaxy you know there's there's no ties to earth so if you really want to get away from the pressures of life or be really distracted like it's nice just to dive into a completely different world and i don't know play around in it and see what happens and explore it take a break
1: see somebody else's problems for moment.
3: exactly yeah like I guess just like Lord of the Rings, you know, different world, different creatures, different setting, like completely immerse yourself and lose yourself in something that's not so human.
1: Well, I mean, okay. we to JR, he's not so human.
0: Yeah, humanity's overrated. He went to war, oh. that's why. <laughs> I was crazy before, but yeah, we'll go with that answer. Uh, All right, Doc, your favoriteest question of all, the one you invented. You ready for this?
1: I've invented a lot of questions. Let's hear it. Let's hear it. Okay. So
0: she invented a word for it too. So
1: Tropolicious. Oh, Oh, the yes. See?
0: Tropolicious is it's not a real word, but she thinks it is.
1: It is too a word. It has been publicized, and she even used it. It's a word. So, okay. Tropealicious, what are your favorite tropes that you're using in this book that you turn and use?
3: Okay. Um, my favorite tropes would have to be, well, I don't know. I really tried staying away from them as well. <laughs> I wanted everything to be completely different. And it's really hard for me sometimes, too, to see a trope within my own writing because um, I've only recently started reading the last three years, like, getting back into reading as an adult because I stopped reading when I was younger or whatever. And
1: um, Most people – I, I blame college. Most people stop reading in college.
3: Well, you have so many textbooks to read, and they're, like, so thick, and you're eh. – that's the last thing you want to do when you get home, right? Um, uh, let's see. Yeah. I don't know. The, the only one that sticks out to me would definitely be, like, the under, underdog. Yeah. Um,
1: that's fine. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've known authors who sit there and go, I'm going to take a trope and now I'm going to break the trope. Yeah. So. Which is
3: which counts. And too, it's funny, like even some writers, like they wrote their book and they know it, but then when you ask them questions about it, it's like, mm-hmm. mm, no, I don't know. <laughs> so.
0: Yeah, it's easier to be on our side of the questions, for sure, because, you know, you you ask the questions often enough, you you start to sort of remember them. It's different when you have to think. And one thing I've noticed when we've interviewed different authors, you interview them the same questions about the getting to know you, because we don't assume that they listen to the other episodes. And you ask them the same three questions on three different days about, like, what was their favorite X? And they'll give you three different answers. So it's one of those things. It's like, you know what do i remember first today it might be that time i watched star wars and tomorrow it might be something else
1: people are part of this culture Mm -hmm. they haven't memorized the answer in order to to win brownie points right you know right and they understand the best most important part about fandom there's no one right answer as long as you're not being a jerk that's right
0: Absolutely. So we talked about what tropes you use, but which subgenres do you feel like this fits you? Obviously, space opera, but does it fit any other subgenres?
3: Yeah, I I would say some military. uh, I would definitely say like action and adventure. Uh, What else? Um, Gosh, these are things you look up for (laughs) KDP, and I haven't done that for a while. Um, Subgenre. It's not Cyborg or anything like that. Uh, Aliens. Definitely Aliens. Um,
0: Yeah. Okay. That's a a hearty list. It's a hearty list.
3: Military, space opera, aliens, space, um, space exploration. Um, Yeah, I guess that's the boxes that I can tick for that one.
0: So... That I mean, those are some good boxes. What can you tell us about the main character? You've talked about him a little bit, but yeah. can you yeah. tell us like about the main character, who he or she is, and what they're, I don't know, what would you want the reader to know about them to convince them to buy this book?
3: So I think um, our main character, Catrix, uh is re- really relatable to a lot of people in that they are trying to fit into society. They're trying to feel like they belong. And for Trick's circumstances, he is a part of a world that operates on three clans. so there's the farmers, the, mil- the military, and then there's also the creatives. So for him, he's born as a farmer in the farmer clan, and you can switch clans, but for him, when he's switched, it's frowned upon because the farmers are like looked down as the, the lowest of all three clans and disregarded as unimportant, even though they feed the whole planet basically. Um, So when he switched to military, um, he gets a lot of constant, like, backlash from peers in his squad, his commanders. He's not given equal opportunities. Um, He's teased a lot, and he has a short temper, so that gets him into trouble. He ends up, like, punching a few officers or whatever, and then, you know, he's not promoted in any way. He's kind of kept as a grunt. And I think people would like his character because... Even through all of that, he tries to persevere and do what's best for himself. There's also a, a personal motive as well, um, not to give too much away, but it involves his parents and trying to support them, which I think <clears throat> a lot of people can relate to as well. Um, and then he's offered the cream of the crop, the dream job, his the one thing he's wanted all his life. And it seems too good to be true and we have to read the story to find out, is it his dream come true or is it really a trap? All
0: so, right. And since we do spoiler free uh, here, we are going to let you read to find out. And she is not going to tell us the answer to that. Nope. Uh, Doc, now the, now the questions are back to you.
1: Okay. So can you tell us about a mem- secondary character that kind of stands out to you? Cause I mean, books are about more than just One person may be the main
3: character, but you need more than one character in a book. For sure. I have, well, two come to mind. I have Tavos, who is a um, being of pure energy. He's like my favorite thing because he's completely blue and completely limitless and just the coolest thing ever. And then I have um, a character that is one of Katrix's friends. His name is Mac. And he really stands out for me because he was so fun to write. He's just kind of like this hillbilly, wild red haired, wiry character who doesn't give two Fs about like what people think about him and how he acts. So and he's a wild card. So he's one of my favorite and definitely
0: Tavos, so. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's a good answer. Every, I think the sometimes the the secondary characters that you love as the author writing the stories and the ones that the readers pick up on, are not always the same thing. Mm-hmm. I've had fans yeah. that reach out and like, I love this character. I'm like, dude, got three lines. He was in four scenes. What are you talking about? But like I got 12 letters about the guy. So it's it's sometimes it's surprising once you start getting the reaction from, from the readers, because obviously this hasn't been out in print for very long, only a couple yeah. months at this point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think you published in September into September, right? August. Or no September.
3: August. You're right. It was a pre-order in August, and then you're right. It's yeah,
0: and so like <laughs> What what you think is going to be? This is the coolest secondary character ever, and everyone's going to be like, or not necessarily, but you'll sometimes people be like, eh, whatever. But this guy over here or girl, whatever. Yeah, it it always amuses me.
3: Yeah, I really hope people like my villain because as much as I hate him, I love him too. Like, uh, I don't know, I don't want to spoil it, but he's like the inspiration for Nevo or Lord Kevlis was like Bionicle, Grievous, and Venom. So, like, mashed all those three together to create this evil villain. So, I hope people like I mean, Venom's kind of an awesome villain, so. Oh, yeah. Yeah.
0: That's a unique combination of villains to use as a mashup for your inspiration. What was it about those three that spoke to you so much? You're like, I'm going to try to do some of that.
3: Venom, I really liked, you know, just the idea of the symbiote, like he could go from one person to another if he wanted. And and that he could I don't know, there was just the power essence of him. I really liked his wild, scary tongue and teeth and like eyes and his character was really cool to me. Um for General Grievous it was definitely the armor and seeing his how delicate he was underneath. Like you could see all his moving parts and stuff for being a Kalish And um yeah, I thought that was really cool. And I also loved his voice and his his cough, you know, like that was really part that I liked. And, um, for the bionicles, I thought it was really cool that they were kind of like the transformers in a sense where they're machine, but they're also alive, you know, that they, they have these robotic parts that move and, and, um, yeah, just, that was part of the appeal for the bionicles, I guess. And I grew up with the bionicles. So it's like, I was part of the first, um, I guess, influence I had for a villain.
0: Okay, that's that's a good answer. All right, back to you, doc. <laughs>
1: she's chuckling. I did, what?
3: I said she's chuckling.
1: I'm busy laughing at JR. So if but if your characters found you in a back alley and they knew who you were, how do you think that would go for
3: you? Why did you put me in such a shitty situation? <laughs> That's probably what they'd do. They'd probably give me a heck. Why couldn't I have a happy story? Um,
0: because nobody I wants to read happy we... stories.
1: No.
2: Part I part feel part of like
3: I—I wish... feel it's old
1: cheesy gangster going dance for me and shooting the bullets at your feet. Oh, that would be fun too. Yeah. No, um, I mean, that's of... like basically what authors and readers do to their character.
3: <laughs> yeah. Entertain me they...
1: even if you suffer.
3: Yeah. Part of me hopes that they take me with me them on their adventures. Um part of me hopes that they would forgive me and just let me go in my way. (laughs) So what tech from the
1: adventures would you want to keep since you brought it up? I know I'm totally messing with JR. What stealing is called. No, you just gotta
0: order and then I gotta figure stuff out.
1: I know, it's fun to make you squirm.
0: So what kind of science and tech can we expect from your books?
3: Um, there's definitely ships that travel with uh, a hyperdrive kind of jump deal. Um, there's shields, there's weapons. Um, what else is really unique about it? Um, holograms. And then, um, the main race that I have, their DNA only works with their technology. So it's kind of like a secret key for them. Um, it's not really something that I expound on in the book because it's like common knowledge to them but I'm hoping to sprinkle that in later books too, to make it interesting. And uh, what else? Hmm. So you leaned into the... Oh, I forgot the best part. Sorry. So obviously influenced by Stargate, but I have my own gate system in my galaxy, but it's not a gate. It's kind of like it's a round platform, and then it has arches on the top, and they like open and close. And then you can have like a wormhole inside or it can open up and expand the energy out and like swallow ships, smaller ships that way and send them on their way. And I call that the arc cross. Arc cross. So it's like arc and then you're crossing. So a mix of those two words, arc cross.
0: Okay. There's nothing wrong with leaning into the the classics that everyone expects. I mean, you don't have to reinvent the wheel every time. Sometimes glasses are just glasses. You don't need to give it a fancy name with 12 apostrophes in it. Yeah. Um, so of all the tech that you invented in this world, uh, and that you brought to light, which would you want for your daily use?
3: Ooh, the R-Cross, because then I could go wherever I wanted and not need a plane. But <laughs> <laughs> buy tickets, no more expensive money. I can go to the tropics whenever. Providing there's one on the other end, I'd have to probably create a few hundred. but <laughs> uh, yes. So you have to have
0: one at the receiving end as well?
3: Yeah, I like Stargate, so it has to connect.
0: Okay. So Doc likes to know because she's got the criminal element going on in her brain. Once you had that R cross, like how would you abuse that tech now that you have it every day?
3: You would definitely abuse it in the sense that you could if you have control of it, you can starve out people, you could control their planet, you can hinder their trade, their basically their way of living, like if that's what they use to get to other, so kind of like our world, how we send ships back and forth to other continents and get all those goods. Like, if you were to cut that off, essentially, like, you'd starve that planet of their of their livelihood, of their business, of their trade. Like, yeah, and then you could – and if you did take it over, you could control the whole galaxy because you could stop people from traveling where they need to go and really, like, cramp down and be miserable with it, so –
0: Okay. So how hard into the science do you lean? Do you try to explain everything or do you just take it like the classics of space opera? It's just there and it works. Move on.
3: Um, well, over explaining is never really good. I used to really go into over explaining because I, I myself found it really fascinating. And then I learned to kind of incorporate how it works and what it is through dialogue. Um, so when Catric steps through it for the first time, or, like, however many times he does it, like, I try to explain what it feels like, what sensation he's getting, what he thinks about it kind of thing, and um, and then, like, when he's stepping off of it, just kind of small details that will create an image for the reader, but that I'm not going too far in that they even, that they forget where Katrix is going or what he's doing, like, they try and keep it so they're staying with the character, what he's seeing, what he's doing, and you know, he's not going to go off and explain how the R-Cross works. So um, just filtering everything through his personal, his preference or his POV there, like what he sees and what he experiences is what the reader gets. So, yeah, um, I try not to go too crazy into the explanations because I think readers get bored and they just they just want to know what happens next.
0: And the other part of that is depending on your point of view character changes a lot. Like I know plenty of people who drive a car, but couldn't tell you how an internal combustion engine works or what their pistons are doing. Yep. So it it makes yep. sense, you know, from just from a life perspective that if you pick the right character, you don't have to show that because that character doesn't know either. That's right. So is this written in first person or third person?
3: Third person.
0: Okay. Um, so. We we like to sometimes look behind the curtains of these of these novels. So, were there any cool scenes that you had to cut from the final book that you might use later?
3: Um, funny enough, I had cut a scene, but my uh, my editor, I sent it to her as well, and she's like, "No, you definitely need to keep this because it really helps people understand K-trix a little bit more." and Um, create a connection with him. So I had cut a scene, it wasn't super cool, but it was really important to him as a character. So it's in there. Um, no, there was, there wouldn't be any other scenes that I really cut that were, that were cool, or that I found I wanted to keep in there. Um, I tried writing as succinct as possible, whatever I put in there had a purpose. And for this other scene, I thought maybe I was going off track a little bit with the story, but she assured me that it was, it was good and it fits, so I put it back in.
0: Okay. So we know the mission of the Roark is part of a series because it says so on the Amazon page. I looked. Uh, there's currently one book out. You mentioned the second book is going out to your beta readers. Yes. Um, so yes. what can we expect? Is this going to be a trilogy? Do you know how long you think the series is going to be? Like, what's next?
3: <clears throat> Definitely a trilogy. Um, I don't want to push a story if there's no story to tell. So I know there's at least one more book, if not two, to tell after the second one. But we'll see what happens at the end of the third, because I haven't written it yet. I'm just finishing the second. So I'll let you know what I know. <laughs> Definitely
1: a
0: trilogy. That's though. an acceptable answer. Yeah. <laughs> No, oh, right.
1: I I like that because I think fans can also get very intimidated and exhausted going and looking at something and saying their 30 books to get a resolution. Oh. That can be a lot of commitment.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: It can't yeah. sometimes it's a it's a hard to know where to start too if if they don't organize yeah. it as well when they have a bunch of side yeah. series as well. Like uh, yeah. when I have to get a PhD yeah. in reading orders to figure out your universe. Yeah, probably not. I mean, I don't mind jumping on a series like that from the beginning, you know, unless you produce a billion episodes or books in one year and then I just can't afford you. But, Mm -hmm. like, I I think later on it gets harder for new people to get in, I think, when you go too long.
3: Yeah, definitely. Unless you write each book in a way that it's, it can be read by itself and then people can go back and, like, if you write it as a standalone but it still connects the books in a way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, if you write episodic. Yeah, like authors do that quite a bit, and and that's kind of nice because then if anybody picks up that particular book, they're not completely lost because that causes a lot of confusion and frustration and like, what the heck's happening? Like, can't. So yeah, so like for Red Rising, like you, you really have to start with the first book and keep going because Daryl's character keeps evolving in each one, and you don't know his history and and what it's what the importance of it unless you read the first one.
1: Yeah, and, so and some great ones can balance it. Um, M- Louise McMaster Bujol, her Miles Verkosigan saga, did a really good job of balancing it where you, you got a build if you read them in order, but if you didn't read them in order, you still got an enjoyable book. Yeah.
0: So, but did you write? Oh, go ahead, Doc.
1: I was going to ask about the aliens.
0: No, I was going to ask her if, since we were talking about episodic, did you write this series episodic or did you write it sort of flowing from one into the other?
3: Um, I want to say it's flowing from one end to the other because I did a no-no and I made Mission of the Rourke a cliffhanger. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so you and are I mean, now a member of the cliffhanger Bastard Society.
3: Yes, and I know readers don't particularly like it, but it, it really suited the story and how to end it and how to start with what I'd already written for book two. Um, for the third book... I feel like it will be more episodic, yeah. But also, on the other hand, it, it'll make more sense if you read them in order. So I can't please both sides of the spectrum. So I'm, I'm just doing what works for the story, I guess.
0: Let's of the answer. All right, Doc. Now that I interrupted you, now you can ask about aliens.
2: <sighs> okay.
0: <laughs> she puts up with me because she loves me.
2: Yeah. Or something. Yeah, I,
1: I love you like a root canal or or a foster brother, but your mom likes me better than you, so it all works out. So, but you said aliens. So how
2: yeah.
1: how many aliens do
3: you have in your series? Like lots or little? I have so many that I had to take lots out. <laughs> okay, um... so when
1: you create these aliens, are you doing them purpose built? Are you like I need a guy that does this, or are you just kind of like, are you driven by science or need?
3: Um, it's more like driven by want and what I like. So when I first started drawing, like obviously I mentioned like Ratchet and Clank and those things kind of inspiring us. We I drew characters. Uh, One was really highly based off of a jaguar because I love jaguars at the time. Um, his characters evolved from that to look more alien as it goes, but it was more of a culmination of like, I really like this. I'm gonna draw that. And then I had all these species and stuff and aliens. And then as I was writing it, I was like, I need this. and then, oh, who do I pick from? And then I would just pick one that kind of suited and like put them in that spot. So it was really just um, I had a bunch of material, and then as I was writing, it was like, oh, or, like, you know, if you need a name, like, you have all these made-up names. It's like, I need a name you for something. you just blotted them in as it made sense then. That's yep. a great way of doing that. It was just so, so much easier that way to have, like, what they looked like. Like, all the backstory I had fleshed out and stuff. And then I was just like, I need somebody to do this or to look like that. And um, sometimes when I'm in, like, a spaceport or whatever, I'll just make them up on the fly. Because they're passing by. You don't need very much uh, information. But I try and make it interesting for if I ever have to go back and like have somebody draw what they would look like (laughs) so yeah but I I have so many and like creatures galore like so many alien species that are animals like crazy amount so if I was a better artist I'd have more art on my page but I'm just starting to learn digital
0: (laughs) I can draw stick figures that's got to count for something
3: you know it's Um, something it's a representation
0: I actually had an art teacher in school that told me I was colorblind, so art wasn't for me and I should just give up. And I listened to him because I was, I mean, he, he knew what he was talking about, right? So I learned other hobbies instead. No, probably not. I actually had an, I talked to an artist once at, a, at a, the one con I went to. And he's like, we should flog that teacher. You don't tell kids that. But That's anyway, right. I That's found right. other passions. So now I make art with words, but clearly this interview is winding down. But before we let you go, was there anything about the mission of the Roark or the Arcarian series that we didn't ask that you want to tell us before we wrap this up?
3: Uh, no, you guys are really thorough. Um Asked a lot of great questions and I really enjoyed the interview. So thank you so much for having me. Um well, that It has
0: been a lot of up. fun, but Doc oh, likes yeah. likes like yeah. I said, she likes you know mixing it up with people. So so yeah. we've been trying to find yeah. people that won't put her to sleep. Um, so
1: <laughs> I mean before, JR does put me to sleep. Listen, you have no fallen asleep on that. our conversations I'll before, so.
0: <laughs> but uh <laughs> before we <laughs> <laughs> Before we uh, let you go, dear listeners, it's like she's like the sister I, I, I already had two of and I didn't want more of. Uh, but but I, I already had two anyway.
1: brothers and I didn't need more, but I got you. Yeah, anyway. so A uh, love-hate relationship. So, right.
0: No, more like a so
1: love-hate like relationship.
0: It, it's our love language. It's just bickering. <laughs> Right. (laughs) So before we let you go, dear listener, we'd like to harken back to our old exit and remind you to please be kind and speak your mind on the reviewing platforms. Your reviews help the right readers find the right book. So do your part. And this is especially Mm -hmm. important. We're new authors who have to learn to tweak the algorithm because she's so new. She has no other products for Amazon to learn from. So go buy it, it, read it and do your part and leave her glowing reviews about how much you liked it. And if you didn't like it, send it to her in an email instead. Mm -hmm. send it as an email instead okay i'm not telling you to lie but you know you you know what i'm saying people i need honest
3: feedback (laughs) (laughs)
1: constructive feedback constructive feedback always go with constructive
0: so can you tell this erica i'm going to remind you her name is erica evren so if you're looking for her on the amazons erica can you tell listeners how they could find you and obviously it'll all be in the show notes
3: yeah you can find me quickest thing is my web Website, so that's Erica Evren, so E R I C K A E V R E N um, at dot com. So Erica Evren, and then I have links there to lead you to all my other things. So yeah, and I'm most active on Instagram. So if you want to pop in and see more pictures or more personal stories or anything like that, you can definitely find me. Or
0: coffee.
3: Or coffee. So (laughs) since we talked
0: about it, what? How do you drink your coffee, and what's your favorite? Okay, and then we'll, so, we got to bring this home because Doc's going to fall asleep on us.
3: I'm a weirdo. I like medium roast coffee. I like different flavors. Okay. I can't drink the same flavor over and over and over. So sometimes I mix it. I'll have one brand of this, one brand of that, um, depending how I feel. Each day I have to have a different cup because I'm in a different mood each day. <laughs> and That's instead fair. of milk, I drink soy milk. And then I have a little bit, like maybe a teaspoon, not, not a whole teaspoon, like a quarter of a teaspoon of sugar.
0: Okay, that's yeah. acceptable, and, you know, people have like dairy allergies, so I get coffee. it.
1: What's that? Bones Coffee. I really like their flavored coffee, because a lot of mm-hmm. times she can get them, and they're like, it's hazelnut! We swear! And you're like, where's the where's right. the hazelnut? Right. Try Bones. They have a lot of funky different ones. So, I have a friend and who I, just I'm... retired from the Navy. I used to send them coffee, like, their flavor samplers all the time. Bones. Okay, I'll write it down. Because at 2 o'clock in the morning, anybody will drink Fruit Loop-flavored coffee.
0: (laughs) I'm morbidly curious now. We'll have to talk after the show about that. But So uh, as far as coffee goes, if you can't have the dairy but you're looking for the cream, having been a barista to pay for my my degrees, uh, oat milk, people say that tastes a lot better in the coffee. Just throwing that out there yeah might be worth trying i'm not not a
3: fan i like the soy it's creamier but i've tried the it could be just the brand i'm trying to like uh, we have the brand here in canada silk Um, yeah and i didn't quite enjoy it it didn't i feel like it didn't cream my coffee as much as i wanted so i yeah i'm trying soy Bonnie
1: makes a really good non-dairy creamer
3: Mm, I'll have to look that up,
1: FYI, so, because they're a yogurt company.
3: So I would not think to try them. Right.
0: So how do you make your coffee? Do you do, you do a drip, a French press, Keurig?
3: It's a drip, but I would I would like to get um, like an old coffee percolator kind, because I love that. That oh, I've been looking for one of those, too. Campfire coffee's the best. I think we're just going yeah. to have to go buy one from the camp store and, like, just do it on my stove, because every other percolator one I see, people are like, oh, it doesn't work, or the glass top breaks, and I was like, oh. So, yeah. like, I can't go wrong with campfire coffee.
0: Absolutely. <laughs> All right. And since we talked about how to find her, now we will tell you how to find us, dear listener. We are over on the Twitters at twitter.com backslash sf underscore fantasy underscore show sierra foxtrot underscore fantasy underscore show we will give a free uh, imaginary coin to whoever can figure out what the sf stands for we'll see how bright our audience is uh you can email us at the blasters and blades podcast at gmail.com again blasters and blades podcast at gmail.com you can find us on Facebook where all the shenanigans happen at facebook.com backslash groups, backslash Blasters and Blades podcast. Again, backslash groups, backslash Blasters and Blades podcast. That is where we are most active. Although we do have a Facebook page, we do not have enough followers yet for, uh, for an independent URL. So do your part, people, and we'll get one. Then it'll be Blasters and Blades podcast. Uh, We have a website at anchor.fm backslash blasters-and-blades. Again, anchor.fm backslash blasters-and-blades, where you can also support the show for as little as 99 cents a month. You can help keep the lights on. These podcasts don't pay for themselves. Or you can support the show more directly over at buymeacoffee.com backslash author J.R. Hanley. Again, buymeacoffee.com. Backslash author J.R. Handley. Be sure to put in the comment section that it is For the podcast and I promise I will keep My co-hosts Doc Saska And Nick Garber duly caffeinated They will drink until their bladder explodes Pretty much But that's just it's, Another day right for you that's that's just Tuesday Doc
1: Exploding things nah I do those on only on days ending and why
0: Okay Alright bring it us home every Doc day. <laughs>
1: She got it. She's smart. Thank you for spending some of your precious time with us. For the absentee Nick Garber, the Addlebrain JR, I am Seska. This was the Blasters and Blaze podcast. Join us next time where we indulge our love of cheesy jokes, nerd culture, and all things that torture JR, and most especially and assuredly, pineapple on pizza.
0: Heathen. Heathen.